The following program is intended for mature audiences. This is Rudy's Revelation. Welcome to the podcast. This week, I'll be talking about love. I'll also be talking back to the Sunday Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation, where the spineless sycophant Ed O'Keefe sits in as host and interviews Jeffrey Zentz, the White House COVID response coordinator who says the federal government is sending a rapid response team to the southern states to force an increase in vaccination rates. We'll also be checking out the Sunday morning propaganda at our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning, where correspondent Mo Rocca looks at the issues of statehood for Washington, D.C., and at the political divide that exists about giving the Democrats two new senators, as well as representatives in Congress, tipping the balance of power. Also be tearing into the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. Also be going over the weekend headlines all in the next 30 minutes. But first we'll be taking you back to school, giving you some historical context to frame this week's news narratives. Word of the day is love. 1. Strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, maternal love for a child. 2. Attraction based on sexual desire, affection and tenderness felt by lovers after all these years, they are still very much in love. 3. Affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests, love for his old schoolmates. This week, in particular, we're talking about the Greek three loves or four loves. What we're getting into this week is the ancient Greek philosophy that differentiates main conceptual forms and distinct words for the modern English word love. And the Greeks referred to these loves as agape, eros, philia, philicia, storge, and zinia. But we're going to concentrate on the main three loves or four loves, agape, means love, especially brotherly love, charity, the love of God for man, and of man for God. Agape is used in ancient texts to denote feelings of for one's children and the feelings for a spouse. It also is used to refer to a love feast. Agape is used by Christians to express the unconditional love of God for his children. This type of love was further explained by Christian philosopher Thomas Aquinas, as to will the good of another. And eros means love mostly of sexual passion. We don't need to get more into that. And philia means affectionate regard friendship, usually between equals. It is dispassionate, virtuous love, a concept developed by Aristotle. In his best-known work on ethics, Nicomachean Ethics, philia is expressed variously as loyalty to friends, 
specifically brotherly love, family, and community, and requires virtue, equality, and familiarity. Furthermore, in the same text, philos is used as the root philosia, denoting self-love and arising from it, a general type of love used for love between family, between friends, a desire or enjoyment of an activity, as well as between lovers. And it's this love that I want to concentrate on, philia, agape, philia, and eros, Greek love in the fault in our stars. The love of a best friend receives is a different from the love a spouse receives. Love covers it all. However, the Greek language provides more than just one word when it comes to love. The three that are most apparent are those agape, philia, and eros. From learned religions, what is philia love in the Bible? Philia describes close friendship. Philia means close friendship or brotherly love in Greek. It is one of the four types of love in the Bible. St. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, understood this form of love to describe a love of equals who are united in a common purpose, pursuit, good, or end. Thus, philia refers to a love based on mutual respect, shared devotion, joint interests, and common values. It is the love near and dear friends have for one another. As I often said, your relationship with God is like walking with a good friend. Philia meaning, philia pronounced philia, conveys a strong feeling of attraction with its antonym or opposite being phobia. It is the most general form of love in the Bible, encompassing love for fellow humans, care, respect, and compassion for people in need. For example, philia describes the benevolent, kindly love practiced by early Quakers. The most common form of philia is close friendship. Philia from Wikipedia, often translated highest form of love, is one of the four ancient Greek words for love, philia, storge, agape, and eros. In Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, philia is usually translated as friendship or affection. The complete opposite is called phobia. Less than 3% of you people read books. Our reading recommendation for the week, of course, is The Four Loves, a 1960 book by C.S. Lewis which explores the nature of love from a Christian and philosophical perspective through thought experiments. The book was based on a set of radio talks from 1958 which had been criticized in the U.S. at the time for their frankness about sex. Now, although it goes into the sexual aspects of love, it covers the four Greek loves, including philia. We're going to get right into the headlines from the New York Post. Facebook warns users of extremism as conservative slam Orwellian thought police. This is our lead story, and this is the story of the day. An eyebrow-raising new Facebook feature warns users that they might have been exposed to extremist content, or if they know someone who is becoming an extremist, prompting concerns it may target conservative voices and stifle free speech. The scariest thing about this is, is that they're asking people to inform on other people they may believe are becoming extremists. From the Daily Mail, Facebook asks Republicans if they need support for becoming extremists and will send the same to anyone who has searched keywords related to white supremacy. Pandemic wave of automation may be bad news for workers. This is part of the robot takeover in this story from the New York Times. This is from the AP, 11 people in custody after hours-long armed standoff on I-95. This is from the third. 
an hours-long standoff with a group of heavily armed men that partially shut down Interstate 95 ended Saturday with 11 suspects in custody. The standoff shut down a portion of I-95 for much of the morning, causing major traffic problems during the 4th of July holiday weekend. The standoff began around 2 a.m. when police noticed two cars pulled over on I-95 with hazard lights on. At least some of the suspects were clad in military-style gear with long guns and pistols, so apparently this was an all-black militia and were on their way to Maine for training, but they were all dressed in tactical gear with guns standing outside their cars. So apparently the suspect said, we are not anti-government, we are not anti-police, we are not sovereign citizens, we're not black identity extremists. So basically they're saying they're part of this group Rise of the Moors. So it's a black militia. They said they were Moorish Americans dedicated to educating new Moors and influencing our elders. So it's a black supremacist group. So it, it seems very strange, though. It seems a little like a setup. For NBC News, protesters clash outside Los Angeles spa over trans woman disrobing. So most of you probably know the story at We Spa in Los Angeles. There was a, a transsexual person uh, in the women's area who was disrobed and exposing her penis to underage girls there. You shouldn't be exposing yourself. So you should kind of keep that stuff to yourself, especially if you, I guess you're a transsexual and you're in the women's room that um, you should try not to expose your penis because it's going to cause an uproar. This is from the AP, Capital Symbol of Democracy, Off Limits on Independence Day. It's just a story from AP about uh, the Capitol being closed on Independence Day. That's usually when they get the most amount of visitors. From CNBC, from the tech to table, Bezos Gates back fake meat and dairy made from fungus as next big alt protein. So again, this is the war against nature, um, destroying everything natural and trying to reinvent. This is from Bloomberg, FBI muscles up against hackers with breaches going bananas. So apparently the FBI is hacking against the hackers and but we don't even know if this possibly could be run by the FBI if they're hacking as experts how come we don't we won't know and never know that if the FBI is behind any of it from CBS 13 Baltimore Baltimore's controversial surveillance plane program ruled unconstitutional so Baltimore wanted to fly drones and planes over the city uh, for law enforcement and um, they found it unconstitutional, which certainly isn't surprising because it um, violates the Fourth Amendment. This is from Reuters. Abu Dhabi will only allow vaccinated people in some public spaces from August 20th. So the it's starting now, the, uh, the bifurcation of society between vaccinated and non-vaccinated people. And it's all going to link up with the social credit score. This is also from NBC News. Clarence Thomas says federal laws against marijuana may no longer be necessary. Absolutely. Conservative justice voting on the side of the legalization of marijuana. From the Associated Press, UN Rights Chief, reparations needed for people facing racism. Human Rights Chief, in a landmark report launched after the killing of George Floyd in the United States, is urging countries worldwide to do more to help end discrimination, violence, and systemic racism against people of African descent and make amends to them, including reparations. So this is from the UN, a UN directive. Uh, white people 
it'll probably be done in the form of attacks, uh, specifically against white people uh, for reparations. The Wall Street Journal, China, Indian moved tens of thousands of troops to the border in largest buildup in decades. So you have uh, this going on as well as competing military games or exercises in the Black Sea between Russia and NATO. So thanks, Joe Biden, for destabilizing the globe. Once again, from Channel 7 News in Miami, police, one dead, one hospitalized after truck hits pedestrians at Stonewall Pride Parade, driver in custody. So this was a uh, gay pride parade, and apparently it seems like the pickup truck was part of the parade and that this might have just been an accident. But the way they're reporting all these uh, pedestrian versus vehicle accidents uh, as being nefarious, and some actually are, and some should be investigated. And this is from the Epic Times, and this is another big story of the week. European Union's digital COVID-19 certificate vaccine passport system goes live. The European Union on Thursday launched its digital COVID-19 certificate system, a vaccine passport-type credential meant to smooth border crossings between the EU's 27 member states. So this is where it starts uh, in the UN and in the European Union. It'll be here soon. Because as much as there's a wane in the pandemic, there's not going to be a wane in the surrounding laws that are being put into place. New Tarrant in the New York Times. Joe Rogan is too big to cancel. He's now one of the most consumed media products on the planet. His Spotify deal, estimated at 100 million, speaks to the allure of making audiences feel they're in on something subversive. Joe Rogan's podcast is awesome, obviously. Most people catch it now and again. It is the signal um, of new media that people are interested in long-form content. and um, But this article in particular is a hit piece, but it's masked as not being a hit piece because they can't really hit on Joe Rogan because, as I said, he's a major media force. So, But what they do is they kind of link him because he's part of the truth movement. They kind of link him to the right. So this kind of says don't trust him. So, but it's a really a veiled hit piece. And they go in, uh, they really cover his comedy, I guess try to make him not serious. They, you know, list him as a comedian. They cover his comedy history, his history in stand-up comedy. And, um, but it is a hit piece because, of course, they mention Alex Jones, the far-right conspiracy theorist with whom Mr. Rogan has long been friendly the most popular host in cable news, Tucker Carlson at Fox News, might expect about 3 million live viewers per night. And I think Rogan has 190 million per month, uh, so that's significant. But they're saying that they would love to cancel Joe Rogan, but he's just too big. Some people flip real estate, I flip men. Give me a fixer-upper and I'll turn him into something desirable. Um, this is an article by Kelly Sunberg, and she says she's a man flipper. I mean, a man fix him up and flip him to someone else. Uh, unlike people who flip real estate, I see no gain from this arrangement, only loss. 
And so <clears throat> she goes into this whole thing about, and many women do this. They find a guy that they fix up. They change his wardrobe, hairstyle, and then they send him on his way, um, kind of like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Um, but this is a completely narcissistic project that you think you could take another human being and change him for the better. Heart, how narcissistic is that? Uh, and not taking him for what, uh, what worth he has coming to the table. It's just crazy. Are masks a new signifier of social class? Face coverings are coming off, though not for everyone. There's an article by Jacob Bernstein, um, and this basically talks about the class difference. It has a photograph here of servers wearing face coverings, but, of course, the diners at a high-end restaurant are not. So they're trying to make this like a class thing, but it is going to become the proverbial scarlet letter where people that are not vaccinated or people that are perhaps of a different class, of a different status, will have to wear masks, while people of other status won't. So there is going to become a, a bifurcation of society where between the vaccinated and the non-vaccinated, plebes, and then the elite, or alphas and betas, if you want to go as far as Aldous Huxley put it, uh, different classes of society. Um, and it's going to make it even more apparent by people that have to wear masks. Even though from a, a physiological or epidemiological uh, standpoint, uh, people that are around food maybe should be wearing masks. I don't know. These Chinese millennials are chilling and Beijing isn't happy. Young people in China have set off a nascent counterculture movement that involves lying down and doing as little as possible. Um, this is a crazy story by the New York Times. It's saying the millennials are just like chilling and um, everybody likes to chill, but you don't have any rights. So you shouldn't be chilling. You should be standing up for your rights. You shouldn't be. I mean, everybody, it's a meditative culture. So everybody should go outside for a couple of hours and not do anything as a means of meditation. But uh, the millennials in China shouldn't be laying down. They should be standing up. But this is the way of selling a, a, a culture in China. Look, the Chinese people aren't bad. They're, you know, they're just chilling out. That's not the case. Pandemic wave of automation may be bad news for workers. We covered this already. The need for social distancing led restaurants and grocery stores to seek technological help that may improve productivity but could also cost jobs. It's part of the overwhelming robot takeover. A Fourth of July symbol of unity that may no longer unite in a Long Island town. Neighbors now make assumptions true and sometimes false about people who conspicuously display American flags. Of course, um, American flags have been always linked with nationalism. And there's a certain amount of nationalism that certain isn't bad. But now what people on the left or in the cult of the left are doing are people that wave American flags or have respect for the American flags somehow are, are part of this white supremacy or are somehow racist if you wave your country's flag, which is just, it's a nationalistic sentiment. Okay, if you choose to do it, I don't. I'm not a flag flyer. But I certainly have respect for the flag of the government and the nation in which I live, uh, to some respect. And lastly, we tear into the Sunday Review, uh, the op-eds of the week. 
and this opinion piece, Make Americans Crushing Debt Disappear, um, by Astra Taylor. And this essay is part of a series exploring bold ideas to revitalize, renew the American experiment. Read more about the project in a note from Ezekiel Quenku, Opinions, politi- uh, opinions Politics Editor. And um, this is a, you know, it's a black article. Formerly enslaved people called the phase that followed the Civil War and their emancipation jubilee. And it goes on, uh, restructuring debt or forgiving debt is certainly something to consider. Um, if it's bank debt, mortgages and such, and, and some credit card debt, um, that it's certainly something that people should be considering politically. Um, however, you have to be very careful because that debt, like credit card debt, that money goes from the banks to shop owners who are trying to make a living by people paying with credit cards and stuff. So, you, you know, all fiat currency is based on debt. So you can't get rid of debt because everyone will go bankrupt. So forgiving some debt of the overly burdened, perhaps, uh, is something that could be negotiated. Um, Whether it's part of reparations or not, I don't think it should be part of reparations. I think uh, there are plenty of people that are, are swamped with debt. It's something to consider. I, I don't. I'm not against get you know some sort of debt reform, um, but what they're looking to do is getting rid of all debt, and uh, that will bankrupt most people. And of course, Chinese propaganda in the opinion pages of the New York Times: the Chinese Communist Party is a hundred; it's not going anywhere. And this is from Yi Zhenglian on July first, the Communist. Party of China celebrates its centenary. Those in the West who are banking on its demise are sorely mistaken, because while the party may have committed some significant missteps through its rule, 9 million dead, it is a formidable force that will remain a threat to the United States and Western allies for years to come. And you could go on, but it's blatant communist propaganda in the pages of the New York Times. And we're going to get right into the talking heads. Uh, First up, is Jeffrey Zintz, the White House COVID response coordinator who talks to Ed O'Keefe on Face the Nation and warns that the federal government is sending in rapid response teams to southern states to force an increase in vaccination rates. So let's listen in. We turn now to the White House COVID-19 response coordinator, Jeff Zients. Get a shot. Get a shot. Should we really be declaring independence right now from the pandemic? Tens of millions of Americans can now return to life, more to more normal life. Now, to be clear, that's not true for unvaccinated people. And until you are fully vaccinated, you need to mask up and follow the public health standards. Well, what specifically are you going to do to get those unvaccinated Americans to actually get a shot. According to the CDC, 36% of those eligible for that vaccine, more than a third of people 12 and over, haven't received even a single dose. What has to be done specifically to get those people to get a shot? More and more people wanting to get a shot, get a shot, get a shot. Get a shot. 
deploy mobile units to reach people in their neighborhoods. We're going to continue to do this in a fair and equitable way so that we reach all Americans and we vaccinate as many Americans as possible across the summer months. One of the more troubling uh, aspects of this is now the partisanship of getting vac vaccinated. <laughs> Six percent of Democrats have received at least one shot of the vaccine compared to 45 percent of Republicans. But 38 percent of Republicans, one of a third of the GOP overall, say they will most definitely not get shots against the virus. The federal government's now preparing to send in surge response teams to these states in the south. Talk to us a little bit about what those surge response teams are, what they're going to do, and does that potentially either affect or help getting people vaccinated if the federal government is sending in officials. And those are generally areas where they have lower vaccination rates. So the federal government stays ready with a whole of government effort to work with local officials to increase vaccinations. If boosters are needed, we are ready. Outright treason. Yeah, that's right. They're ready to force you to get a vaccine and boosters for most people that have been vaccinated already, you, this won't be the end. This is going to be an annual thing. They're talking already about stacking it in the flu shot. So get ready for COVID-19, COVID-20, COVID-21, COVID-22, COVID-25. It's all coming this fall. And now we're going to go to Mo Rocca from CBS uh, Sunday Morning where he looks at the issue of statehood for Washington, D.C., and you know what this is. This is just an effort by the Democrats to get two more permanent senators on the Democratic side that would tip the balance of power for the Democrats, which would own those senators into perpetuity. Mayor Marion Barry made national headlines when he was caught in an FBI sting smoking crack cocaine. In April, the U.S. House passed a bill to grant statehood to Washington, D.C. The measure is unlikely to survive the Senate. They can vote for president, but they have no voting representation in Congress. Gentlewoman yields. Home rule. I will not yield, sir. The District of Columbia has spent 206 years yielding to people who would deny them the vote. I yield you no ground. She's represented the district as a delegate for more than 30 years, though she's not allowed to vote on legislation. Did you know growing up that residents of D.C. had this unusual status? I certainly knew it from the time we were children. Because you lived in the nation's capital, you had no voting rights. The question over D.C. voting rights stretches back to the beginnings of Washington itself. The Constitution called for the formation of a federal district independent of any state to serve as the nation's capital. But the Constitution had nothing to say about their rights to representation. In 1847, the portion of D.C. south of the Potomac retroceded to Virginia, giving the city its current shape. It wasn't until the 1990s when statehood for the district became a real political movement. Mayor Marion Barry made national headlines when he was caught in an FBI sting smoking crack cocaine. Democrats, who in 1993 had the White House and both houses of Congress, gave only tepid support to a D.C. statehood bill, which died a quiet death. 
I'm trying to function as a small business, and I don't have someone in Congress that's going to fight for me. You cannot skirt the Constitution. But opponents of the statehood bill say not so fast, and they're invoking the Constitution. There's no power in Congress to turn the district into a new 51st state. The only way this can be done is through a constitutional amendment. Roger Pilon is a legal scholar with the Cato Institute. It's clear that the people in the District of Columbia want a vote. There's only one way under current circumstances that they can do that. They will have to move to a new state. If you care this much about voting rights, move to another state. This is a full uh, bore socialism on the march in the House. They want two seats in perpetuity in the United States Senate. In 2020, 92% of residents here voted for Joe Biden. A new state would almost certainly add two more Democrats to the Senate. No surprise that opposition to statehood is almost exclusively Republican. You've got to love that prospect of two more Democrats in the Senate. How much does that motivate you? Well, that motivates me a lot. They're invoking the Constitution. All right. You know what's happening there. That's it for me. We'll see you next week. Rudy's Revelation. Check me out. Facebook and Twitter. Now I'm on Minds. <laughs>